Thank you, Pastor Matt, and thank you, Pastor Jeff. First Assembly, we are so thankful for you. Because of your faithfulness and support and prayers for us, you kept our boots on the ground all through last year in COVID, and we were able to finish our term completely. So we want to say thank you that um, you have um, helped carry us through. It's exciting to be with you, um, and I'm really excited because it's Mother's Day, and I get to have our daughters with us, Francesca and Gianna. Um, they just came from um, SAGU, which is Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Texas. And this weekend, Francesca had her first dress fitting for um, her wedding dress, and we did a shower for her yesterday. So we're getting a lot of fun things um, squeezed into this um, weekend really fast. Uh, back in the foyer in our table, we do have our prayer cards and a brochure about our ministry. And on the back is a picture of um, Gra Grandma Victoria. She's the um, lady Tim was talking about that um, spurred on that church plant. And she is an amazing woman, somewhere between 80 and 90 years old, and she'll never tell you. Um, just somewhere around 80 or 90, but she's an incredible woman, and we just um, would love it if you pick up a brochure and a prayer card and um, continue to remember us. You can put that prayer card on your fridge or in your Bible, wherever you go the most, so that you will remember to pray for the strange people, okay? <laughs> um, I was so honored when Pastor Jeff asked if I would share on Mother's Day, and it, it really wasn't long. It's been a few months since we had um, messaged and talked about this, and very quickly the Lord dropped a couple of thoughts and scriptures in my heart, and um, I just want to read for you the um, first scripture he put in my heart. It was in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, and this is Paul giving instruction to the church and about groups of people within the church and how they should live. Starting with verse 3. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. And I'm just pulling out themes, um, and I'm not going to like go into depth about these scriptures right now, but just keep in mind the thought, the phrase that the Lord gave me initially was that let the older women teach the younger women. And in my life, there have been many women who are not always older than me in age, but maybe they're older than me in maturity and in their walk with the Lord. And they have invested in me and poured in me. And because of that, um, I, I have to weave in a little bit of our story here into this as we share, or as I share now. Um, I just have to say, I love working in ministry with Tim. I'm so thankful that there's not anywhere he won't go on those indigenous reserves and in Costa Rica, and previously he has served in El Salvador. There's not anything he won't eat. Um, I've never seen him say no to some of the strangest things, no pun intended, that people have offered us when we're out in ministry. Like even, I can think of one type of salad that's very typical Costa Rican that he really does not care for, but he will eat it if it's in a ministry situation and it means having the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody or continuing discipleship and pouring into the life. And um, I didn't know when I married him wow, almost nine years ago, that he's such a jungle man. I just knew that he was going crazy places and that I had the call of God in my life and I was willing to go wherever the Lord was taking us. So um, all that to come back around and say, our girls are, Gianna's 19, 
And if you want a really great missionary kid story, what, after service, ask her what she did on her 16th birthday. And um, Francesca is 21. And Tim and I have been married nine, almost nine years. It'll be nine years in August. And no, we didn't shack up. Um, the indigenous are very famous for shacking up. They don't get legally married, so we did not follow in their footsteps. Um, so if you notice, the numbers don't add up. My first husband and I started a ministry together in northern New Jersey. He was part of a church planning team. And after a couple of years of being married, Francesca was born, and then he became terminally ill with a heart condition. And then in that process of treatment and whatnot, Gianna was later born. And um, he lived almost seven years and passed away after, just after we had been married 10 years. And so we had been in ministry together. Our girls were just four and six years old when he died. And it was shortly after that that the Lord spoke to me and renewed his call on my life that he had given me when I was a teenager that I was called to be a missionary. And I was amazed. Like, here I am, 37 years old, a widow and a single mom, bearing my husband, and, and the Lord's saying, now you're going to go to the mission field. And so at the age of 40, just two and a half years later, I put our house on the market. I went through training with the Assemblies of God World Missions Department. And the girls and I moved to Honduras, seven-year-old, nine-year-old, and blonde as could be back then. And none of us knew Spanish. And so we started a ministry in Honduras. And through all of that process, God brought Tim across our path and brought me across his path. And he, God just crisscrossed our paths for the next three years until we then started dating. And we dated over Skype because he was in Costa Rica and I was in the U.S. here in Jersey itinerating to go to another country as a fully appointed missionary. And um, it, it, was, it was really quite the process. But we um, dated over Skype for a few weeks after messaging for a while. And he proposed, and then we got engaged formally, and three months later we got married, and then um, we were here just a few months after we got married, and went to the field in January 2013, we went to Costa Rica. So when I share a couple things with you this morning, I want you to have the perspective that I know what it is to go through suffering and grief. I know what it is to bury a spouse. So I don't share anything trite or light. This, um, I don't know about you all, but sometimes I've been in Mother's Day services where it's Mother of the Year Award and all the wonderful things she's done and how perfect she is and how her kids, like they're always perfectly dressed and sit in a row in church and never misbehave. That's never been my life. Um, <laughs> I identify much more <laughs> with the moms who have struggled and have had a hard time, um, maybe at different times and whatnot. And I'll try not to tell any stories that I shouldn't. Um, but I thank the Lord <laughs> that our girls are with us and that they're serving the Lord. And when you think of this scripture in Titus chapter 2, the picture that I have in my head is of a mom who is looking forward to whoever is more mature in the faith and gleaning from them and having them um, train, disciple, teach them as a mom, but also as this mom reaching behind or beside to a mom who's younger in her motherhood and maybe has children who are younger. And um, I love it when there are moms that have young children and I still remember what it's like when my first husband, he would be at church at six in the morning and I'd be at home with my two-year-old and my infant. And let me tell you, it was a victory if I showed up before the pastor said amen. 
because it's hard as a young mom trying to get two little ones out the door and dressed. And then usually by the time you're ready to go, somebody spits up and then you got to start all over again and get them changed and whatnot. So I remember that. And to be able to just so encouragement into that young mom who may be struggling and trying to figure it out and like I can remember many times you know having young ones I don't have an hour in my day to go seek the Lord and shut the door and read my Bible and just let the kids be like somebody's gonna get hurt if I do that so like usually it would be go in the bathroom just five minutes after I surrounded them with pillows and moved the couch in the love seat so they can't get out and then go in the bathroom for five minutes just to have five minutes. God will meet you, young mom, wherever you're at. If it's in the shower, if it's in the car, there are many a time I put the kids in the car in the car seats and just drove around or I put them in the stroller and walk till they fell asleep. And then that's your couple minutes. And God will meet you because God comes to women where they're at. He met the woman at the well, Mary Magdalene. He went to her while she was filled with those demons. She didn't seek him out. Women remember, no matter what stage of life you're in, the Lord will come to you, and he will speak to you, and he will minister to you. You might be walking the dog. You might be up in the middle of the night rocking that baby, but Jesus will come to you, and he will speak to you. Now, men get called to go out into the mountain and pray because they're just a whole other breed. But... um. <laughs> But just receive that encouragement. You know, I just want to tell you, I hadn't thought of this, but Gianna was filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of four. And I didn't seek out to teach her. But every day when she would, um, there would just be like a nap time or something, I would rock her on my lap. And she might be watching a cartoon or something on TV, but I'd be praying in tongues. And from the time she was an infant, she, she just was always glued to me. So like if I was going to the altar during worship and prayer, I just took her to the altar with me. And people would be like, oh, I'll hold your baby so you can pray. And I'm like, no, it's okay. She just goes with me. So from the time she was born, she was at the altar with me. She grew up at the altar. And just one day, s- sitting at home while Francesca was in preschool, I'm rocking her. And um, she just started praying in tongues with me. And that's how she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So I know we got the COVID stuff going on. But whenever, however, there's an altar open, teach your kids to come to the altar and seek the Lord. Make sure they grow up at the altar here physically and in their hearts. Um, As a mom, my priorities have always been, do my children know Jesus? Do they know how to hear the voice of the Lord? Do they know what that means? Do they know how to live in obedience to God's will and the blessings that it brings? Those have been my priorities and my prayers for my children all these days. Um, If those three things are in line in their life, then everything else will work out. We've had educational issues with them growing up in like a private school in New Jersey, moving to Honduras, school system behind. Then we came back to New Jersey, public school, really challenging. Then we moved to Costa Rica in a private school where education was a little behind to then, oh my gosh, I homeschooled. I homeschooled them through junior high and high school. And you know what? There was a whole lot more peace when we did that. Um, and so education, like some people, they got it all together and their kids are straight A's, Dean's list all the time. But it was a struggle. But that wasn't the highest priority. I'm an educator, and it still was not the highest priority for me. Highest priority is salvation. Can they hear the voice of the Lord? And do they know how to walk in obedience and be blessed? 
because then everything else works out. And let me tell you, they've done phenomenal in college, and Francesca has been on the dean's list. And, and Gianna just finished her freshman year and is knocking it out of the park. So those things will come into order as you walk it out. I have just a couple of slides on that PowerPoint, if you'd put those up. Um, okay, this is how we travel with Tim. We go in canoes, and you don't want to fall out, and there are no life jackets. Next slide. This is Gianna a few years ago with Pastora Maria. I just want to share her story real quick, and then we'll wrap it up. Next slide. And that was me with um, Pastora Maria and her husband, Pastor Ricardo. And they're, I don't know, it's kind of like a room beside the church out in the jungles of Talamanca. Next slide. Okay, I do have to tell you, on this trip, just a little over a year ago, in the middle of a very swift river that I cannot get out and swim, um, the canoe ran out of gas, so he parked it in a sandbank, whistled, another guy came with that canoe, and then we had to change canoes in the middle of the river to then get the rest of the way across the river, and we had to hold on to the one that didn't have any gas and take it with us. These are the things that happen when you travel with a strange missionary. Okay, next one. And then this is our last one. This is us with some Costa Rican friends all the way over on the right, and in pink is Pastora Maria. Pastora Maria, Tim met her in 2011, and I met her in probably 2014. She has had a really rough several years. Um, about five, six years ago, her husband had an affair, left her for this really young girl who then got pregnant. The girl had a baby, and Maria and her husband had been married for, gosh, over 20-some years, had adult children and grandchildren. And through all of that, in the last two years since the baby was born, at one point, Tim was down there visiting with her in the ministry, and because after her husband left her, Maria continued to pass through the church on her own. Um, she comes up to him, and she's like, Tim, meet my grandson. And, and here's this little boy she's holding. And after all of the hurt and everything that had happened with Ricardo, having the affair, having the baby, living with the other girl, it was, at one point he had come back to her and said, Maria, I miss you. I love our family. I love our children. Will you please forgive me for what I've done? Can I please come back home and live with you? And he did, but he's not a part of this church, their church that he once pastored. He goes to another one. And Maria continued to pastor. And um, so this last, one of the last times Tim was down there visiting, um, Maria says, meet, you know, my grandson. And this is the little boy that was born to Ricardo and the other woman that he had the affair with. And Tim's like, Maria, like, how are you doing this? Like, how can this be? And she said, well, you know, God loves them and forgave them. So I have to forgive them too. And so she has chosen to walk in forgiveness. And this woman that had the affair with her husband and the baby and this woman's family and some of her family is in leadership in the church with her. Um, they're a part of Maria's church, and she has embraced them, and she has forgiven what has happened, and I know that in our American mindset and culture, that's all kinds of messed up. She's figuring it out. She's figuring it out, and it's working, and I just want to bring it back to, you know, when Paul was writing in Titus, and addressing these groups of people and how they should live, and that older women should teach younger women, it was about discipleship. 
and it was his deep spiritual concern over these people that Christian living should help rather than hinder the spread of the gospel. Because when we have bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment and we hold grudges as mothers and as women and we hang on to that, it gets transmitted down to our children and generations. And we have to let go of those things because time is really short. Jesus is coming back and there's a whole lot of people who don't know him. There are thousands of unreached people groups all over the world that have never heard of the name of Jesus. And so if Maria could forgive that girl and her husband and embrace them into her family, God challenged me and there's someone that I had to forgive and I had to write a letter a little over a week ago because I couldn't come and preach unless I did it because the Lord told me that. And, and I didn't put a return address on the letter because I was afraid of the response, to be honest. Um, and that person tracked me down. As soon as they got the letter, they called me sobbing and said, I have been praying every single day for the last two weeks, asking the Lord how to make things right in our relationship. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, too. Which is not the response I expected. And we have reconciled. So friends, and this is for men and women, if there is anything in your heart that will hinder the spread of the gospel through you, put it down, lay it at the altar, ask Jesus to forgive you, make it right with whoever it is, reconcile, and the gospel will go forth even more powerfully than ever before. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing and how you're touching each and every heart here and that you're the one speaking. There's so much more that your Holy Spirit can say through the Spirit than I could ever say with words. So I pray that you would do your work and that you would touch hearts and that things would be laid down and washed clean and forgiven and let go of and that it would be a new day in motherhood. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor John.